0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Good morning. I hope you all are having a great week so far as we are in our Thursday soap today. Uh, And we're going to be in 2 Samuel 18, 2 Samuel 18, uh, diving into this. And um, man, if you've been following along, you've probably been very frustrated with this man named Absalom. (laughs) So uh, we're going to be diving into a little bit more um, and ultimately Absalom's death. And so some of you might be rejoicing, like getting if this is the first time going through this story and you're like, man, this dude, I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, and so we're finally getting to where Absalom's no more, uh, but, and how does that play out? And really throughout all of this, uh, we're going to be looking at what uh, really, what kind of God is speaking to us. And then also um, what, what other lessons for it do we have as well? Um, there's definitely some areas in here I want to point out. I'll be reading out of the new living translation, but uh, this is also some areas that I'm going to show you some differences between uh, different translations and some things that uh, uh, that kind of you know maybe maybe it shows like why some people like certain translations better than others um, and uh, still ultimately my favorite if you just want to know my personal preference is the uh, New King James um, but I've just been kind of enjoying uh, going through um, uh, using the New Living Translation a little bit and. Um, broadening, um, you know, my understanding of different stuff. But let's dive into this. Um, But let's first pray. Uh, Let's come into the presence of the Lord and then let's read his word and see what he has for us today on this Thursday. Let's go. Uh, Father, we just come to you right now. I would just pray that uh, our minds are open, our hearts are ready, uh, and our spirits are welcoming to your spirit right now. Lord, we just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit speaks to us, Uh, even to myself. Lord, I just, I surrender myself to you, that this be your message, uh, that this be your word. And so illuminate us, uh, teach us, and um, uh, guide us uh, with your word, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just, as we dive into this chapter and seeing uh, the death of Absalom and and the circumstances around it, uh, and that led up to this, uh, Lord, we just pray that you speak to our hearts and that we uh, we get something um, out of it for ourselves. Uh, that we can grow stronger, and closer, and more faithful towards you. Lord, we love you and we pray this all in your precious name. Amen. All right, uh, if you got coffee, tea, water, whatever your morning drink is, get a sip of that that wonderful stretch, and then we are diving into Second Samuel. 18 this morning. Uh, again, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, I'm going to do uh, this. It's um, it's mildly, it's not super long. Uh, it's only 33 verses or so, but I'm going to read a little bit and then I'll go talk through it. We'll break it down as I read through it um, a little bit and we'll see how this goes. Um, so in verse one, David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. So already in verse one, this is one area I want to point out that you may, depending on the translation you're reading, it may read more of like he appointed captains over thousands and over hundreds. Right. And it's basically um, it's a restructuring. It's a making sure it's another verse basically showing that, hey, guess what? And uh, whatever we do, uh, if we're going to do it right, we need to have order and structure right uh military uh, we obviously know military has order and structure anybody that's ever served of course i see a couple veterans on here this morning uh we all very much know there's a order and system and structure involved in that uh and so david is just again he's doing that again he's mustering his men he's calling his uh national guard up or whatever you want to equate that to in today's terms uh and he's appointing uh, here it says generals and captains, but he's appointing leaders over the larger groups and then even leaders within the smaller groups. Um and that's uh, and that's always good. You need organization. Uh he sent his troops out in uh in three place in three groups, placing uh one group under Joab, uh, uh under Joab's brothers, um uh Abishi, <coughs> uh son of Zerah, and another under Eteteu. Uh, the man from Gath, the king told his troops, I'm going with you. But his men uh, objective strongly. Uh, you must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. Uh, they will be looking only for you. You are worth a thousand of us, and it is better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. Look, there's, you know, we always kind of have this idea that um, everybody's equal. Well, and I had a, I had a wonderful leader in the military at one point and he said, we all as human beings at a surface level, we're all equal. We're all human beings, but we play different parts of the team we play different roles in the team and some roles uh, some areas uh, uh, in that structure uh, do have a higher level of importance. Right. And so his men are understanding that like David, there's a Absalom didn't divide people because uh, of anybody, but you, right. Absalom didn't start a civil war. Right. You know, just recapping, remind, remind yourself that Absalom started this whole thing. He started this um, civil war, basically dividing the country uh, to come against David now and his own son. And look, the whole point is Absalom against David. And so the two primary figureheads, we see that in many wars, uh, many um, conflicts that we've seen all throughout history. The emphasis is on the primary leader over that conflict of each side. Right? When we think back to World War II, we automatically think Hitler. uh, You know, we think of uh, General Patton. We think of uh, MacArthur. We think of like high up leaders on both sides uh, of the conflict. We don't think of the individual younger soldiers and everything else. Yes, they, and there was that. Uh, yes, there are brave men and women on uh, both sides that are actually in those militaries. But when we're looking at things like this, we see that who is those top tier leaders? Um, and so they're automatically like, David, no, this is not the place for you. I get your heart, bro. I get what you want to do. You're always in the battle with us primarily. But... This is is not the time for you to be uh, on the front lines uh, leading the army. Um, The whole idea is for them to come against you. You need to sit at home. We need to put you in a safe bunker or whatever. (laughs) And so he he listens uh, and and they're just like, look, man, this is the importance of the seat in which you hold. There is uh, you are worth 10,000 of us and it is better that you stay here in the town, and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it. Here's where David is. This is an area of David's life that, quite honestly, we should listen to as being leaders. And that's listening to other leaders. Listening to wise counsel from others around you that you trust. And so we see that David's doing that. David could easily just say, you guys are fools. I'm going out with you. Uh, There's nothing you can do about it. And he would have the authority to do so. But he doesn't. This is good leadership by uh, listening to those around you that you personally have put around you uh, within trust. And so, therefore, this is a level of exuding that trust and saying, all right, if you think so, I won't. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and thousands. And the king gave his command to Joab, uh, Abishi, and uh, Etitia. <clears throat> uh, for my sake, uh, deal gently with young Absalom. This is the primary thing right here for this whole story, that King David told his top three And we're going to really zero in on Joab in here. For my sake, deal gently with young Absalom. Otherwise, you ain't going to kill him. Don't mess with him like that. Yes, you're to stop his army, stop his movement against me. But deal gently. You're not to kill him. Is ultimately the the gist of this and all the troops heard the king's, uh, the king give this order to his commanders. Right. This wasn't done in a secret room with just the three of them uh, to where they could be like, "Uh, we didn't hear you. We didn't understand what you said. No. This was very, very Public there's really no nobody could really turn around and say uh eh, the king didn't say that like <laughs> thousands of people heard him this was very public there was a great uh, and so and the battle began uh excuse me verse 6 so the battle began uh in the forest of ephraim and the israelite troops were beaten back by david's men uh there was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men laid down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the for- because of the forest, then were killed by the sword. And this kind of reads weird, but based- and you see this imagery in, in other ones where it just says that it looks like the forest swallowed these guys up. Um, uh, Absalom's side, uh, the army there. And really, the imagery and it's almost kind of poetic. And there's a couple other ones. If you're reading like the um New King James Version and your Bible as you're following along, it's like these men were swallowed up by the forest. It's because they're just they're retreating so much into the forest. It's like it's it's just consuming them because of the amount uh, of how much they're retreating back because of David's forces pushing them back into that. Um, Here we go. Verse nine. During the battle, Absalom happened to come across some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule. My man's riding a mule. I I don't understand this. (laughs) There's a level of like, I don't get this. Like he's supposed to be the general of this other side. He's he's their quasi king, if you will. And he's riding a mule. And I pondered off this and I even listened to like other commentators like it's just like this guy's weird like why is he riding a mule and he's very like narcissistic, right you would think that he'd have this the most beautiful stallion or something like one of the most majestic horses you can find or something uh to really exonerate himself um but he's riding a mule and I, and honestly it was I was just really pondering, and I just had this image of he's not Jesus, where Mary came in on a mule to Bethlehem, and and Jesus rode in uh, to the kingdom, uh, into into Jerusalem on a mule. But Absalom is us. Absalom, he's a wicked, sinful individual, but but we all are we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But our Savior wrote in on this on the very thing that honestly we're only deserving of. If you really look at it, and there's kind of this imagery of honestly, if there was an animal that we we probably we don't even deserve an animal to ride on in the first place, but if there was one, it'd just be it'd be a nasty. Nagging, um, annoying, stubborn mule. That's that's really what we deserve. Uh, if if not even worse, uh, or less, to ride on. Yet our King, our Savior, humbled Himself to ride on the donkey. And so, in a weird twist, and in a weird, in a, in a weird um, kind of imagery that kind of came to me of that's what we deserve. Not our King, not our Jesus, not our Lord and savior, but yet that's also why we love him so much because he humbled himself to, to take upon that cross. And yet this guy wants to exonerate himself and, uh, wants to, um, be so divisive and so manipulative and so, I mean, Absalom's just an absolutely nasty character. And you would think that he would just, out of arrogance and out of um, over sense of pride, it would be something much more majestic than a mule. But that's what he's on. It also says uh, earlier back in 2 Samuel 14 that... Uh, he he has like this most majestic head of hair. Like he's that annoying dude. He's like um what was it beauty and the gas Gaston like you know with all of his hair It's all beautiful. It's waving in the back. it's like this most the the most majestic thick glorious head of hair you've ever seen you know and um and he's riding on it and so it says uh he tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches. Uh of a great tree, his head now the new living translation says his hair got caught in the tree. Uh, this mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. All right, if you're reading out of other translations, it may just said his head. Uh, in the Hebrew, it does only mean his head. And this is one where one area I just want to kind of say sidebar. Um, depending on your translation, sometimes certain bodies of Scholars of translators put uh, their own belief and they wrote like in this one, they said his hair. There is a debate whether it was his hair that got caught up or he could have just been hanging by the neck. Um, But not instantly killed like hanging as if on a noose, Um, because in other translators says there he was between uh, heaven and earth. He was dangling between heaven and earth. And some people say that that's kind of a poetic way of saying that he was, he was in mid death. Like he's on his way out. Like he, like that, that, that kind of, if he hung there long enough, he would just die. Um, he's in between life and death, if you will, um, is a poetic way or is just saying that he's hanging in the air. Um, it it all depends on, uh, we weren't there. We'd, hopefully when we go to heaven, we can watch the DVD or the playback YouTube video of uh, what exactly happened. But um, maybe it was his luxurious hair that gotten caught up in there. Uh, either way, he was hanging from a tree, helpless at, at a point here, whether it was by his neck or his hair. But he was still alive. So uh, verse 10, one of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, uh, I saw Absalom dangling, dangling from a great tree. Again, didn't give him any specifics. He's just hanging there. doesn't say by his hair or by his neck of his head, or, you know, either way. Um, verse 11, what Joab demanded, you saw him there and you didn't kill him. I would have rewarded you with 10 pieces of silver. Knowing today's uh, inflation, that probably wasn't going to be much. <laughs> but I don't know. Um It could have been also like $10,000. I don't know what the rate would be now. but uh, And he would have given him a hero's belt. Well, that probably would have been pretty cool because maybe it's like a big WWE belt or something. He can hang on his wall. But either way, Joab is displaying a level of he thinks he's being loyal. Right? he like, there's this level of, and I think we all have like a friend like this. And if you don't, you, maybe you're the friend like this. That is, um, uh, I see somebody hurting my friend. I just want to hurt that person. Don't you ever hurt my friend like this? I see what you're doing to my friend. I will have my friends back. And, um, regardless of what it is, I'll, we'll, we'll dig the hole at night. Like I got you, you know, it's, it's that, it's that I will to the grave, I will be your friend and I will uh, be there for you. And almost to a point of, of uh, almost overly doing it to the point that, guess what? He's, he wants to be so loyal to David and to, um, to the kingdom, but he is just, he's kind of not, He's gotten it so much in his head of how much he's actually disdained of Absalom that he's not truly being loyal to what David commanded. He His hatred to Absalom so much for his friend David, for his king David, for all of, he's been able to watch all of this going on and just is like, this guy is so wretched. He's a murderer and a rapist. He's a divider. He's arrogant. He's um, narcissistic. It's disgusting who this guy is. It would just be better for the whole face of the earth if this guy wasn't on it anymore. That's his whole mindset. He, didn't, he heard it, but he didn't hear it when David said to tread lightly with him, to not kill him. Don't go to that level. David probably knew his mindset and that's why he probably said it so publicly for uh, cadence of accountability, if you will, for him. Joab was just so mad. and in, in his mind, that's a level of loyalty. But it really isn't. It really isn't. Now, on our justice scale... Absalom would have absolutely deserved the death penalty. I don't think many of us would have really refuted that. But the way in which it was done. Well, let's get there, right? So verse 11, um, Job, you saw him and didn't kill him. I would have rewarded you with 10 pieces of silver and a hero's belt. Verse 12. Uh, I would not kill the king's son even for a thousand pieces of silver. The man replied to Joab, Uh, we all heard the king say to you. Uh, He's reminding him here. Here we go. Uh, We all heard the king say to you and and the other two, uh, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. My man understood the assignment. He remembered the instructions. And if you had betrayed the king yourself, <clears throat> and if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king would uh, certainly find out who did it, you yourself would be the first to abandon me. So look, we can't do this, even though what we feel may be the right thing. Even though what we feel is... Uh, In in our mental justice system, this would be the right thing to do. This guy does not deserve to breathe another breath. He he is nothing but an oxygen thief at this point with how disgusting of a human he is. But if you are truly loyal to King David, if you are truly loyal and, and obedient, regardless of your understanding, You'll do what I say. Now, doesn't that sound like our God? Lean not on your own understanding. To follow me. And as David is always and has always been like this, um, And of course, he's the airline uh, to Christ himself, and he's a Christ-like image, uh, not in all aspects, of course, uh, of David's life. He wasn't perfect either, um, but he was a Christ-like image uh, in certain aspects. And there's one of like, regardless of what you understand, I need you to be loyal enough to just trust me and do what I ask even if you think it's crazy even if you think your justice system's better than mine even if you think whatever the biggest form of loyalty is trust and obedience the biggest form of loyalty is trust and obedience and many of us we 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 can Construe this differently. We can uh, we can think of other. I'm being loyal because look, I'm I'm getting rid of this enemy that wants that will stop at nothing to continue to want to kill you, David. I, I have your best interest in heart. I in, in best intentions. That's great. How many times have we all gotten in trouble? But it was all due to the original best intention. Well, I did this in best intention, but. It, no and so here we are in verse 14 enough of this nonsense probably in in uh, in today's like way would be like hey hold my beer and <laughs> Joab said then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled there still alive in the great tree he just he didn't listen to anything his man said right there that his servant was like no. Uh, he, he was like, look, he, he didn't listen to any, was just like, stop. I'm just, I'm done tearing with you. If you read it that way in your version, I just said, stop, uh, enough with this nonsense enough with your tomfoolery. I, I don't want to hear it. I am so blinded by my absolute, uh, revengeful, hateful spirit over what Absalom's done. Hold my beer. Watch this. Now, then the next verse after it says, then 10 of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Look, all they did was icing on the cake in all reality. You put three daggers in somebody's heart, you're the one that killed him. They just finished it off because before he took his last breath, but that was icing on the cake. The real blow that was ultimately the fatalness of everything was the three daggers directly from Joab himself. And they they just finished off the job. They just they took care of the dirty work at the at the end there. So and then Joab blew the ram's horn and the men returned from chasing uh the army of Israel Uh, They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled uh, a great heap of stones over it, and all Israel fled to their homes. Here's an interesting fact that they throw in, verse 18. uh, During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to carry on my name. Um, Many people will probably think that's a good thing. Uh, He named the monument after himself, and it is known as Absalom's Monument to this day. There actually still is a monument that uh, everyone recognizes and calls it Absalom's Monument. Some people even call it Absalom's Tomb. Um, And uh, there's some pictures, if you Google that, uh, there's pictures of that today. Um, Whether that is still actually the one that he, he, there's debate on that with archaeologists and and stuff. but. but culturally, and everybody recognizing and it's known name uh, to everybody uh, is Absalom's uh, monument or Absalom's tomb. Um, so it's there. Uh, 19. Then um, Zadok's son uh, Ahimaaz uh, said, Let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. My man's overly zealous. He's like, Yo. We won. This is great. And uh and all and I know Absalom's dead and you know, we weren't supposed to do that. But you know what? We won. It don't matter. I'm good. I'm good. He's excited. He's like, "I want to go tell the news. I want to be the messenger. Let me be the messenger. Please, 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 please." please. He's super excited. No. <laughs> no. verse 20. No. Joe, I've told him, uh it wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. Uh you can send You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Man, this is like the news of the century. Um, Then Joab said uh, to a man from Ethiopia, um, go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off, Uh, but Ahimez, uh, overzealous Ahimez, uh, continued to plead with Joab. Whatever happens, please let me go too. Please, 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 please. Why should you go, my son? (laughs) <laughs> Joab replied, uh, there will be no reward uh, for your news. Uh, yes, but let me go anyway. He begged, he begged. He, oh, man. Uh, and Joab finally said, all right, go ahead. Uh, so Aminaz took the less demanding route uh, by way of the plane and ran into um, Mahemian, uh ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof. Of the in gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man riding toward them. He shouted the news down to David. Excuse me. And the king replied, If he is alone, uh he has good he has news. Uh as the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running towards him, and he shouted, Here comes another one. Uh, King David replied, He also will have news. Uh, this first man runs like uh, Ahimez, a son of uh, Zadok. The watchman said, He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then uh, Ahimez cried out to the king, Everything is all right. It's awesome. It's all good, uh, he says. He is just wow. Uh, he bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise to the Lord your God. Who has handed over the rebels uh, who dared to stand against my lord the king? What about Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? Ahimez replied, mm. When Joab told me to come, uh there was a lot of commotion, uh, but I didn't know what uh what all was happening. Beating around the bush. My man's beating around the bush. So anxious for the good stuff, wasn't prepared on how to handle the truth. Wasn't prepared to handle the truth. The Bible says to um, in the New Testament, you know, be slow to put your hand uh, on leaders and to appoint them. Be slow to to do certain things. You need to test people a little bit. You need to uh, understand. And, and um, there's a level of uh, are are people ready and mature uh, for the positions in which we want to appoint them into. Um, it's church leaders and everybody, and even for how to bring a message. We all know, and definitely husbands, we know this, that there's a right way and a wrong way to bring a message, (laughs) right? There's a right way to tell somebody something and there's a wrong way. And always the wrong way is beating around the bush. Always the wrong way is skirting the real issues and the real news. Not bringing up the facts, not telling the truth, not being honest, and, and quite honestly, over um, overdoing other points that don't matter. And right now, you're seeing the heart of David as a father, not as a king. we see many times in, in the Bible that there is a, there's a father figure that no matter how wretched their sons are. They're still their sons. And you're still their father. No matter how many mistakes, no matter how much uh, betrayal, no, how much um, bad mouthing, whatever you, you want to call it. David never lost sight that he, that Absalom is his son and he is his father. And there's this heart behind it that we can really see that this is the heart of our own father. No, how much we've rebelled against him, no matter how much we've maybe even cursed his name before in our life or Straight up, literally, and and I know friends that just now that they just straight up disbelieved in his existence. But God still had a heart to say, I have grace for you. I have mercy for you. And I'm still reaching out my hand that has holes in it for you. I'm your father, and you're my son, and you're my daughter. And no matter how much betrayal, bad-mouthing, arrogance, no matter how much sin, I've already paid that for you. I'm, I'm willing to put that aside because ultimately I just want you to come home. and that's David's heart here why he's saying don't hurt Absalom don't tread lightly with him yes go out and stop his forces from doing what he's doing we ha- we have to do some sort of measure so the the fighting had to happen but don't kill him don't do this don't i and there's there's goodness in him there's i i have a heart for him i want to i want to fix this i want my relationship with my son i don't want him dead Where is my son? Where is my son? And yet this messenger was so zealous for the victory of a battle. He was blinded to even see that there is a father hurting for his son. there's a father hurting for his son. And so as we cap this off, that that is the ultimate heart of our own father for every one of his children, for every one of his people that are made in his image, male and female. Wait here, verse 30. Wait here, the king told him. So Ahimez stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my lord, the king. Today, the Lord has rescued you from all of those who have rebelled against you. What about young Absalom? What about my son? I don't care about the events right now. I care about my son. The king demanded, is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, and this is a very tactful way that he he, extremely smart way to say as best as possible. May all of your enemies, my Lord, the King, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. There's no good way of telling somebody that they're dead. There's no good way of delivering that. And if I've, I've had to be on the calls, and I've had to um, do do a death notification before. Um, there's no good way to do that, regardless of the character nature. It's it's still a human life that is lost, uh, and there's still a family that hurts, regardless of how wicked or not wicked that person is or was. And it's uh, and this man just he he had to deliver it as best as possible. Um, that's probably the best way, uh, in this circumstance that he could have, uh, delivered that. The king was overwhelmed with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Yes, we can look back and. We talk about the absolute spirit, spirit of division, spirit of, um, you know, all, all of this stuff is, is he was a, he was not a good human being. But we've seen many, many times that King David just still understood the fact of human life um, and still wept at the loss of even people that were against him. And that's the heart of our Father today. Is that no matter how wretched you are, how wretched somebody else may be in our own justice system in our mind, God's justice system, through the holes in those hands that continue to reach out for us, that continue to say, I have grace and mercy. And love that can cover all that you think and beyond. And then our father loves us no matter what. And he just wants a relationship. He wants us to come home. And so if you have those people in your lives, if you have those people, maybe it's one of you that are listening right now uh, or listening to this podcast later on. And no, nobody is too far gone for the love, grace, and mercy of our Father. And so we pray. Just that's the whole gospel message: that God loved us so much, He sent His only Son to die for us. Let's pray, Father. We just we just thank you for this for your word today. We thank you for the story. We just thank you for seeing uh, your heart for us as your sons and daughters uh, through an, this lens of an un, unfortunate event in King David's life. Um, The son uh, at the loss of his son, Absalom, though his character, though his actions uh, may have been deplorable and disgusting uh, according to our mental justice system, that there's still a level that you love your children and you have arms open wide for them to come home, realize their error, and turn around and be better. And Lord, we just, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for uh, this relationship we get to have with you, with your word, and that you invite us to walk with you every day. Father, we just thank you for all these things. In your son's mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great Thursday. I hope that this just encourages you to remind yourself that the love of our father has for all of us. Have a great one. We'll see you this weekend. Take care. God bless and have a good one.